Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to feeling at home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole, and we are back here for part two of the series about Americanness with American pride. But first, I want to talk a little bit more about American shame because there was some really cool conversation happening around this one. Most of this conversation is happening on Instagram, which is really the best place to follow along with the show, with me, with my life, if you care. I don't know if you care, but Freiburg's pretty and I post a lot of pictures about Freiburg, so maybe you want that. Anyway, I posted the episode onto Instagram and I wanted to share some of the comments back. First up from former guest and Canadian, Rihanna. Rihanna was on the show to talk to us about her preparations for moving from Canada to Prague for a year. And she said it was so interesting to listen to this episode as a Canadian who has grown up quite near to the U.S. border. So she knows a lot about the shame that we're talking about. And when I asked her if people ever mistake her for an American based on her accent, she said yes, but she's pretty quick to correct them and say that, no, she's Canadian. So I thought that was kind of funny because I know a lot of Americans who will gladly pretend they're Canadian rather than be outed as an American. So that says a lot about all of us, doesn't it? (laughs) There was also an awesome comment from World of Galineva. She is a European who studied in the U.S. and she brought up the term, which I think is really accurate, European supremacy. She said she thinks that plays a lot into belittling Americans. That is really fascinating and I would love to dive deeper into this concept of European supremacy because it is really rampant and it has a lot of effects on all of us around the world. And then finally, on Instagram, there was also a comment from expat stepmom about how she used to feel more prone to say, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm Canadian, I'm not American, until she came to a place where she decided she wanted to reclaim her American identity and use this as an opportunity to be sort of a cultural ambassador and help broaden people's understandings of Americans and change their minds. I personally strive for that in my better, more patient days, and I think it's a really awesome mindset to have. So thank you to everyone who shared their comments on the gram. And I also want to thank a listener named Daniel who shot me an email to share his thoughts on the topic. Not only was I really interested to hear his thoughts, I was also really grateful that he pointed out that the last three minutes of the episode were a mistake. So oops, I've since fixed it. But if you downloaded the initial version, There's three minutes at the end where you basically get a little glimpse behind the curtain of my podcasting process, which is me recording an outro that involves a lot of starting and stopping and repeating myself. I usually edit that down to make it sound oh so flawless like this one right now. However, I left in an old version at the end, (laughs) on the end of last week's episode. So um, thank you, Daniel, for catching that and telling me about it. Also, general message to all listeners out there. Should I ever make additional mistakes, which I mean, I'm sure I will never, ever make a mistake again. Um, But should I? Should I make a mistake? Feel free to let me know because I might not have noticed. And yeah, I was grateful for the chance to uh, to correct it. Now on to this week's episode, American Pride. I spoke to one of my very best and oldest friends in this world, Zoe. We grew up together, are part of the same group of friends who are second family to me. Um, We've all been friends since we were like eight or nine, and we're still so close to this day. And they're part of the reason that I like to travel back to my hometown of Philadelphia or the Philadelphia area to see them all as often as possible. Now, out of this group of friends, I think we all kind of expected that it would be Zoe who ended up living abroad. She's just always been really different. 
and followed a path that was truly her own, that didn't really follow the typical model. And we were not surprised when this path took her to France. But personally, I will say that I was very surprised when she decided to come back. Because as someone who's so different, I thought that she would feel more comfortable being an expat, being someone who lives abroad, rather than continuing to sort of go against the grain in American life. Because sometimes it is exhausting to be the person who's different. So I had Zoe on the show to talk about that, to explain to me and us her choice to move back to the States and why she's so happy with it, why it's working so well for her. It was a really fascinating and insightful conversation, and and I think it was a really good answer to Gabe's perspective that we heard last week. What's funny is I think actually the two of them agree on a whole lot. They've just come to different outcomes based on similar information. So I'll be very excited to hear your thoughts on this episode as well. For those of you out there who do feel proud to be an American, to what extent does Zoe's take align or not align with your reasons for feeling American pride? Can't wait to hear your thoughts, but first off, let's hear Zoe's. Enjoy the episode. My name is Zoe. I am from the Philadelphia area in the United States, and that's where I currently live. I've been back in the U.S. for about four years, uh, kind of on and off, though. Jump back to the very beginning. What was the first time that you left the U.S.? And then walk us through how long you were gone then, where you were, and then the other places you've been and how long leading up to now, because you do have a confusing sort of in and out situation. I, like I said, grew up in the Philadelphia area, and I lived here my whole life. Um, I went to university pretty close by and decided to study abroad for my junior year of university. So uh, I left and went to the south of France for the entire school year, and then I returned back to the U.S., And then when I graduated, I went back to France for another year. Um, And that time I lived in the north of France. Then I moved back to the U.S. and decided to stay. But I still really love being abroad and traveling. So I sort of do these long extended trips of traveling. So I did three months in South America last year and traveled around in Argentina and Chile mostly. And then this past year, I spent seven months in Southeast Asia. So what is interesting to me about this is that you sort of did make a conscious choice to be back, but also in a way that makes me feel like you still sort of have a little, you don't have a foot out the door, but you have like a toe out the door. And this seems to be like a very comfortable situation for you, except for every so often it gives you like great angst because you're like, what am I doing in life? But <laughs> but the general decision yeah. to move back, like what what was that? What went into when you were living in France the second go around, what made you decide that no, it's not just that you're moving back to the States for now, it's a pretty clear decision that you would like to live your life out more or less in the States. Yeah. I mean it was a really complicated decision. There were a lot of factors that went into that not least of which was that I was miserable that year um, living in France. (laughs) I was living in a really small town. I didn't like my job. I didn't have a lot of friends. 
there was nothing that was really holding me there in France. I had nothing to do there because uh, I was not going to continue doing that job. So that sort of was a big factor in determining that I was going to leave at that point. But I could always move back to France, um, move somewhere else in the world. That was something that I was still had as an option. And I did make a conscious decision not to do that. I really like living in the U.S. I like a lot of things about America, about Americans, about American culture. Living abroad, I think, made me realize those things that I was kind of taking for granted before or not realizing that these were things that were important to me until I moved abroad. So to me, you're someone like we grew up together, right? And growing up, it was always clear to me and pretty much anyone who encountered you and your family, like you guys do things a little differently. You're not the standard American people, right? Like you have a little flair about you um, yeah. <laughs> where you do things your own way. And, um, and to me, this always sort of played into this notion that traveling permanently or, or long periods of time or living abroad would suit you so well. And I mean, it does. I'm not trying to imply that you like it didn't work for you, like it did work for you. But I was surprised that you made the choice to come back because I sort of thought maybe you would fit in better in these situations where you were the outsider, because you were the outsider at home anyway. You know what I mean? And so what's yeah. interesting also to me is that you're not the reasons that you love America aren't necessarily these like super murka things, I don't think. <laughs> like you still, <laughs> even in your now life that you're back there, like you still strike me as someone who like has more complex views of, of America. So the next question is then, what is it that you love about the US? Like what do you love about living there versus just being from there? I think that to to your point of being sort of outside of what, is sort of the norm of America or kind of doing things a little bit differently. Um, I think that's actually a part of why living in America works for me because I can kind of pick and choose what cultural pressures align with what I want my life to look like. So some of the things that are not so great about America, things like the work-life balance or like like culture of overworking. I don't necessarily subscribe to that life. And I'm, I've never sort of taken on that cultural expectation on myself. So I can choose to do it or not. And I think sometimes that's what's so freeing for expats. When you move to another country, you don't have that expectation to conform with every single social or cultural pressure in your new country because you're a foreigner. And I think that I sort of took that home with me when I came back to the U.S. And I still feel like, why do I have, I don't have to have that expectation or that cultural pressure on me to conform to like those sorts of things. So like, I'm not saying that America doesn't suck or there aren't like <laughs> sucky things and cultural pressures in the U S but it sucks in ways that like I'm able to compromise with. And it has things that I really like. First of all, really, really friendly people. <laughs> like I love American people. Americans are really, really friendly people. I can walk into a bar by myself, sit down and I'm immediately in a conversation with somebody. And that's something that I absolutely love. It's something that I really love about 
traveling too is that kind of feeling of everyone's willing to talk to you everyone's willing to have a conversation meet somebody new and I feel that in the U.S. for the most part. Okay so this is a point where a lot of people who feel less warmly to the U.S. say that this friendliness is a thing that turns them off because they find it to be superficial or actually that's a thing that I hear from a lot of Europeans about America. Yeah. Do you feel that that's true? Yeah I think it's true but I don't want more of an interaction sometimes. Like I have friends. I have enough friends and I don't necessarily want to become really great friends with a random person at a bar. But I want to have an interesting conversation with a stranger. And I don't need more out of that interaction than just that conversation. So for me, that is something that I enjoy, this kind of like friendliness, but without expectations of like, let's meet up another day. Because I don't want to. I also feel like it's worth pointing out. This is a fun episode to do because I know you so well and we have so much shared history that I can just like put stuff out there for you. (laughs) Um, So one thing that you and I have talked about, because we view a lot of this like friend making, getting out there and talking to strangers stuff very similarly. And one thing we've discussed is how there's this notion that friendship is a two-way street, but honestly, it's not. Like, you can just decide someone's your friend. It's fine if they don't agree, but, like, they're still your friend. You're just maybe not their friend. And this is something that you and I think is great. Like, we would be the type of people who, like, you know, if you have the same bus driver every day, you're like, that's my friend, the bus driver. Like, does this bus driver think that you're friends? No. But that's fine. (laughs) And not just, I mean, this goes beyond just people who are like, we like trap them at their jobs and they have to interact with us. Like (laughs) if we go out to a bar together, like the goal is to just find interesting people to talk to. And then if I walk over to you and you're talking to some person, you'll be like, hey, this is my friend, John. Here's five things that I learned about him in the first five minutes. And we both know fully well that John's not a real friend, but like, that's fine. He's still your friend. And I feel like this outlook- my friend for- that moment. Exactly. Yeah. And I did have interactions like that in other countries while traveling, especially, but also while living in France, I would have friendly conversations with people in bars. It's always a good talking point when they notice that I'm American, you know, people want to talk to me and find out why I'm there. But I think that different countries have different cultures. And I know you've, you've talked about this on the show before about Germany, which I mean, I haven't spent a whole lot of time in Germany, but this idea of them being a little bit more distant or it takes a little bit longer to break through a shell to become friends with somebody. And I found that way in France as well. And that's not my experience in the United States. And maybe that's just because I understand all of the cultural nuances that are happening. So it's easier for me to connect or to start a conversation with somebody here. I mean, that could be it, but that's also part of my decision to be living in the U.S. is it's my comfort zone. It's easy for me to go to the grocery store. I know what stores to go to to pick up contact solution, which was a whole big deal when I moved (laughs) to France. And I couldn't figure out what stores carry contact solution because they have like 30 different types of stores for different things. And it didn't make sense to me. Like, where was the contact solution? (laughs) It was never anywhere I expected. So having that comfort zone and not having to work hard every day just to be alive where I'm living was something that was really appealing to me. 
though okay not to you use the word work work here in a different context but i do want to circle back to something you talked about earlier which is like the work-life balance in america and the the high intensity culture of work in the u.s yes maybe to bring that a little bit more concrete what kind of stuff have you been up to and how have you carved out a space for yourself that works for you within this larger culture that you're saying you actually don't agree with Yeah. So I currently am a full-time dog walker. It's not (laughs) a corporate job by any means. I currently have one job, which is very little for me. I usually have a lot of different jobs that are just kind of things that I find interesting. So last year I was working as a museum educator full-time, and then I had part-time jobs as an interviewer, as food delivery, doing patient instructing, which is basically when you teach medical students how to perform basic maneuvers, just like kind of anything that would sound interesting on like a job board, I would just apply to. And that's always been my experience with work is I'm always doing different kinds of things. I've worked training monkeys. I've worked... (laughs) in social work. So even though I'm starting to feel a little bit of that pressure of settling down, figuring out what I want to do for a longer term thing, and I'm considering going back to school, I still, I've never subscribed to this culture of the corporate life working 80 hour weeks. That's not something that I want. Obviously traveling is important to me. So I want to have the ability to take time off, which is something that you don't get in a lot of workplaces in the United States. And I just refuse to work in a job where I don't get those benefits. Yeah, it's worked well for me so far. And I think that it is true that at some point, and I think that point is coming quickly, I'm going to want something a little bit more stable. What sort of stereotypes or beliefs did you encounter when you were living in France and then when you were traveling around and were these things that you would agree with people or like disagree with them? Or would you even interact when you were faced with something? Um, Stereotypes of Americans, I think are pretty standard. And I think they're pretty true, you know, that we're loud, that sort of shallowness we were talking about earlier with our friendliness, being workaholics, being uninformed. Um, I think that's a really big one that Americans are just like, have no concept of what's happening in the world around them also true. Like, I I think that a lot of the negative stereotypes about Americans are true to a pretty large extent, but it doesn't have to be true for you as a person. I don't really mind when people are using stereotypes or negative stereotypes about Americans very much. People usually, to me, were doing it in a joking manner or saying something offhand, and I just didn't really care. Something I think is interesting about stereotypes of Americans is that a lot of these stereotypes of Americans are also stereotypes of Australians or also like true of Australians, but everybody loves Australians for it. Like an Australian can do the same stupid thing when they're drunk as an American and everyone's like fucking Americans and everyone is like, I love Australians. (laughs) (laughs) And that's something that I found most intriguing about the stereotypes of Americans because I I do think that a lot of it is true. Like I said, I'm I'm not the most pro America person in the world. I'm not about to stand up and defend our stupid things all the time. Yeah. 
Well, so you're part two in sort of a call and response little mini series where I, I talked to my friend Gabe last week on the show about his American shame. He also touched on this this idea of being unaware of the world around them or beyond them. That was more upsetting for him. And another thing you talked about a lot was like the larger systems within the U.S. So things like the lack of social structures or the weak social structures or things like the media. Like he talked a lot about how he kind of feels like the media is so at fault for a lot of the reasons that Americans are the way they are. And this is upsetting to him and frustrating that he couldn't change it and also frustrating that so many people are okay with it. So how do you react to to that? So I think that living abroad and traveling a lot made me more at ease with these sorts of frustrations or shame about the U.S. Um, I think that in America, we have this idea, if, if you're somebody who is more informed about the outside world, then you have this idea of like, everyone is so much better than we are. They've figured out these social systems. They've figured out freaking recycling. They have free education. They have free health care. All of these things that obviously I believe really strongly in. And I think it's really important that we look at those things and respond and try and formulate these social systems. I mean, like I said, I have a background in social work. Um, That's something that I'm interested in pursuing in the future. And it's really frustrating to kind of beat your head against a wall when we don't have these systems in place. But I think living abroad made me realize that we often idealize other countries, that they've got it all figured out, that they've sorted out all of these issues. And we don't see the flaws in their solutions or the the drawbacks in those countries, things that maybe we have that they don't or solutions that would work in a really small country like Denmark, but would not work in a huge country like the US with a ton of different cultures and states and laws and the way that we formulate our government would have to change Yeah, so I think that looking at these issues and these solutions with more nuance has allowed me to feel less shame about it because these are really complicated issues. Like, so for example, in France, I worked as a teacher. And so I was working in the public school system. And working in the public school system in France was really great as a teacher because they have a ton of vacation which is something that's really important in French culture, being able to spend time with your family, take off from work, take off from school, relax, and go away. So they have a regular summer break, just like we have in the United States. And then every six weeks of school, they had two weeks off from school. So that's a two-week fall break, Christmas break, winter break, spring break, and then they had two months of summer break. So this was wonderful for me because it was paid vacation, but I would see the impact that this had on the students. And this isn't something that I would want in the United States because they were in school from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day, which is a lot of time to be working in a row as a child and also 
took away from this culture of after school activities that we have in the United States, like tons of you know music lessons or sports or chess club, all these clubs and activities we had growing up after school doesn't exist in France, at least not through the school. So I had students, they were like learning an instrument. They would go to their clarinet teacher's house after school and have like a 6 p.m. clarinet lesson. And then they would go home and have to do their homework. And then they would be asleep and wake up the next day and have to go back to school. So I think that that's just sort of one example of something that when you see the face of it, like, yeah, it's really important to have vacations and be able to go away as a family or be able to have time off together. It sounds great until you learn more about it. And I'm not saying that that's not a good system. I'm just saying it's more than just this idealized, wonderful thing that French people are so much better than Americans at. Yeah. Yeah. Are there other things that you've experienced when you were living and traveling abroad that you wish more Americans knew about? Yeah. In France, in middle school, you get in a track and it's like whether you're eligible for college. And that's so unfortunate because something that, you know, obviously we have a terrible university system (laughs) and, you know, student debt and all of these horrible, horrible things. But also everyone can go to university if you are willing to take on massive amounts of debt. So I don't know whether that's really counts as everyone, but the concept of like community colleges being available for everyone would not be in existence if we had a system adapted after these European systems. So yeah, I guess that's one thing um, to sort of debate because it seems like in some ways it's almost the same problem or a similar problem in the U S and in, in these cases, France and Germany, but in France and Germany, it's explicitly built into the system that you are tracked at fourth grade or whatever age, and this determines if you go to college or not. Whereas in the U.S., like there are a lot of people who are excluded from higher education, but it's through more inefficient systems. Like the formal system says anyone can do it. The reality is if you're poor, if no one in your family has gone to college, all these factors might make it much harder, if not impossible, for you to go to school. Yeah, it's harder to talk about it when it's not a formal path. And I think that people feel it's a lot less fair when it's not a formal path because it feels more shadowy and sinister rather than like, this is just what we've chosen as a country. Right. But yeah, I think that just in general, sort of what I wish Americans knew were things like that, that we shouldn't necessarily be looking to other countries to solve U.S. issues all of the time. Um, I think it's important to be inspired by what other countries are doing. But the U.S. is a unique place with like unique problems. And some things that work in other places wouldn't work here. um, And some things that are at place in other countries are not necessarily things that are in line with American goals or ideals. Because as much as Europe and America, it feels like our cultures are really, really similar, especially compared to other places in the world. There are different cultural goals. And so solving things, it's not necessarily so easy. But I also think it's important that some things that we accept as normal or necessary, it doesn't have to be normal or necessary. These pressures that I was talking about earlier or expectations that are placed on people you don't have to buy into it just because it's like what everyone does in the U.S. 
Yeah, I think about that with buying a house. It's such a standard thing in the U.S. And yeah. then sometimes you'll meet someone where they're like, oh, no, we rent our home. And I like literally always get shocked. I'm like, oh, my God, I li- like I forget that you can do that in the U.S. But we're at the age, you know, late 20s and early 30s is where a lot of times people start to talk about saving up to buy a house. And so I think it's something that I'm starting to feel right now where if you don't have that goal, yeah, maybe there is societal pressure around you or like judgment or expectations, but you're right. You do have a choice. You, you can just not buy a home if that's not where your priority is. Exactly. And like some of our friends right now are, you know, saving up or talking about or looking for homes to buy. And that is not where I am at all. (laughs) I, I, I'm living in a totally different world than that. I rent an apartment and I have a roommate who I met online. That's where I'm at right now. So, (laughs) so I think that, I think that that has actually been really helpful for me in developing these kinds of feelings of avoiding these expectations because I'm so far from the expected or like where I quote unquote should be, not that there's any place you should be at this age. I'm, I'm so far from that, that nobody's really expecting much. <laughs> low expectations. <laughs> it's the key. <laughs> yeah, low expectations. It's been really working for me so far that people are just not <laughs> expecting a whole lot out of me. So I, it's been great. <laughs> I want to switch my last question around and ask, what are some things that you know about America and Americans that you would love for people around the world to know more of? I wish people knew how beautiful the United States is. I think that North America has some of the most beautiful landscapes I've ever seen. And I think that it's really... It's not what you think of when you think of the U.S. Like people think of the U.S. and they're like, oh, are you from uh, New York City or California? Yeah. And I'm like, not any of them. And and they're like, oh, Texas? <laughs> yep. And you're like, nope. Florida. It there must is, be Florida. The United States is so big. It's so big. And it has so many different cultures inside of it, different dialects, different ways of living and you have so many beautiful, beautiful national parks that I think is not the vision that people have when they think of the United States. And when I was first talking about moving back to the U.S., I didn't want to stay in Philadelphia. I still had that kind of drive to go live somewhere else and experience a different part of the country, which I know is something that you did a yeah. lot when you were living in the U.S., kind of experiencing a different country within the country and seeing something completely different. And I think that I wish people knew how much there was in the United States. And I just wish it was easier, more easily accessible for people traveling because it it really sucks as far as the the infrastructure of Mm -hmm. traveling in the United States. It's so, so expensive and difficult. Well, not that you can see any country in two weeks and really say you know it, but I mean, like you maybe could with like Luxembourg or even like Denmark. Like, I mean, there's just less space to cover. So, but with the U.S., when people go on their vacation, even if it's Europeans on their like three week vacations, like it's, you still can't experience, you can experience one region of the U.S., but not all of it. I want people, even Americans, to just like Google image search like American national parks. 
Yeah. <laughs> just like look at it. Just look at it and marvel because I think that we we do have a really bad reputation in general, Americans and the U.S. And it's in a lot of ways earned, but there is more here than gets talked about because we, especially nowadays, we have so much filling the space that is given to America, which is already a huge space that is given to us in the national, in the, like an international conversation. But all of that space is filled up with like negativity and like our current politics and like all of these horrible things that are happening with, you know, immigration or with black people being shot on the streets and all of this, these terrible things that there's no space to talk about wonderful parts of the United States. And so I wish people had more space for that. If we were like sort of slightly time traveling right now <laughs> and we're in a French bar, this is 2014, 2015, you've made the decision to go back to the States and I am going to play the role of a very anti-American person or like maybe I'm just like a world traveler and I'm so like enlightened and I'm like, you want to move back to the US? Why? That place sucks. What do you think you would say in reaction? Um, I think I would say that I, I like living there. My friends are here. My family is here. I really like being close to them. I love Philadelphia. I never thought I'd end up here, but I absolutely love Philadelphia. I think it's a really fun, friendly city with like tons of interesting things to do. I think that I have been able to make a good life here. And I think that that's all, all you can ask in any country is being able to make a life where you're happy and able to get what you want and need. And so far that's, that's this, this is the, this is the country that I feel most at home in. And so of course I'm going to live here. <laughs> okay, good. You, you want know? me over here. I'm like the, the snooty, angry, random person. is like, wow, you're totally right. I'm going to rethink America. <laughs> okay. I've turned around. <laughs> My last question for you is to to bring it all together. What did being abroad and living abroad teach you about what it means to be an American? And what did it teach you about America? Being abroad taught me that things suck everywhere. (laughs) This is a surprisingly (laughs) pessimistic answer from you. (laughs) I know. and, and, And on the flip side is things can be great everywhere. Like I said, I think often like talk of the United States dominates an international conversation and it tends to be negative. And we as Americans aren't super informed about other countries, but living or traveling in another country and hearing about the politics in those countries, you're like, oh, it's no, it's like sucks everywhere. <laughs> Especially now, you know, with this wave of just insanity across the world. And I, I think about when I was in Asia, um, I was staying at this hotel and talking to some random people at breakfast and they were having a really intense political argument. They were very angry people and they were from a variety of different European countries. They, I got in a fight with them <laughs> about American politics because they were looking at the political system or looking at particular political figures from a really limited 
foreign policy standpoint, which obviously is more important to them because they are not from the United States, but like refusing to acknowledge that as somebody who is American and is living in the United States, like I actually also really care about domestic policy. And like that is a factor in decision making when I'm considering who to vote for. I'm, I'm having a little moment of like, wow, yeah, what you're saying makes a lot of sense because I've had these experiences where people talk a lot about the negative things that are happening in the foreign policy currently in the U.S. And then they'll talk really positively. Well, in this part of the world, they talk really positively about the Obama administration. And I think like on a larger social level, Obama's policies align far more with general, if I'm if I'm painting with a very broad stroke here, like the general German point of view was more aligned with Obama, right, than Trump. Right. <laughs> However, like, you're totally right. Like, the things that they'll talk about are, are primarily foreign policy things, which is not a thing that I need to be mad at them for caring about, because that makes a lot of sense. Like, that's what affects them. But at the same time, maybe they're not looking at the day-to-day, and they're not zooming into that state, to that town, yeah, etc. So I do see what you're saying with that, and, like, that you got in a debate with them to sort of be like, hey, look... It's okay if you want to look at these factors. However, you need to at least be aware of the fact and accept the fact that the decisions that the American people are making are not based solely off of how the foreign policy is going to affect Europe. They have other priorities, and that's not wrong. These guys were actually taking an opposite standpoint from most people that I talked to in that they hated Obama. They were basically telling me that I'm I am complicit in any civilian deaths because I voted for Obama, and I was like, "You're just being crazy." Uh. <laughs> like, I mean, they were they were intense people, but but yeah, it's like this kind of idea of of course you don't care what the domestic policy is of a president or of a candidate because that doesn't affect you at all. But like, it does affect me, and it does affect people I care about. And so these are things that I am looking at the same or more than foreign policies, especially foreign policies that affect Europe. Sorry. (laughs) Right. So the original question was, what did this whole adventure abroad teach you about being American? And I think we did just go on a tangent, but I still liked the tangent. So I'll let let the answer stand (laughs) unless I do want to open it up to you if you wanted to add anything on to that question or anything else about this conversation that we didn't get to. I don't think I have anything else. Okay. Okay, yeah. cool. This means I get Just to torture you with our favorite segment, which is called Zach, Zach, Zach. It's a rapid fire question round where I ask you three questions that you answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Are you ready? Probably not. You're afraid of this part. <laughs> I am afraid of this part, but we'll do it. All right. I'll try my best. Good. What is your favorite kind of pie? Oh, interesting question, actually, because for most of my life, I hated pie. So this is another way that I'm not very American. I just didn't (laughs) like any pie. I think I had trouble with warm fruit. But um, nowadays, I probably I would say apple pie. Good. That's way more American of you. Look, you're (laughs) reassimilating. I know. This is me (laughs) me post moving. What holiday are you happiest to be back in the States for? Um, I am probably happiest back in the States for Passover, which is a Jewish holiday, and it's the big holiday in my family. So all of my family gets together. My first, second cousins, my great aunts, everyone all gets together, and we have a weekend where we stay at this hotel and have a Seder, and it's really lovely, and it's the one time of year that I get to see everyone. And finally, this one's actually a quiz. 
How do you say, I would like to buy some oatmeal, please, in German? <laughs> ich möchte Haferflocken kaufen. <clears throat> bitte. Be oh, polite. bitte. <laughs> Don't be rude. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so, okay, quick fun fact. Zoe travels the world and collects not any items, but rather the sentence, I would like to buy some oatmeal, please, in different languages. And I try to regularly test her about the German one so that she doesn't forget it. I don't usually say please. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I would like to buy some oatmeal. Rude. How and I know rude. how to say it in, I think, 10 languages now. Wow. Very good. Okay. Thank you so very much for coming on to the podcast. This was a fun chat. Thanks for having me, Nicole. This is great. But wait, there's more! Zoe and I recorded this episode back in early December, and ironically, she had not heard Gabe's episode yet, so any points where they talk about the same things, like, I don't know, bringing up Denmark or talking about the Pledge of Allegiance, those are total coincidences. But after talking, Zoe let our conversation sit for a week or two and then said, hey, you know what, I actually have some more thoughts and reflections after the conversation that I want to share. So she sent me a voice message explaining these thoughts and she gave me permission to tag it on here to the end as a little PS. So I've been thinking a lot about how my views of being American and of America have shifted over the years. You know, I started out being very, you know, pro-America as every little kid is. They don't really know anything else other than to be doing the creepy chant at school where you're professing your love and dedication to the United States, to the flag, every single morning. I remember when September 11th happened, how we all got together and sang these really pro-America songs and things like that, and how my thoughts about the U.S. shifted a lot as I got older and recognized some things that we were not so good at. You know, I learned more about other countries and hearing about other ways of doing things. My family has always been well-traveled and has, has lived in lots of different countries and, you know, the way that my family would always talk about current events was from a more world-focused perspective instead of America having the solutions or America being the best country in the world, which I think is a stereotype of Americans that we think we're the best country in the world. As I grew, I kind of had this idea of America not being great, America not being good, and having this idea that other countries were doing it right and we were doing it wrong. So when people were being very patriotic, I would get kind of upset about it. When I decided to move abroad for school and spend that year in France, I was kind of like, I'm getting out, you know, I'm getting to live in like a country that's doing it right. I'm moving to Europe where they know how to do things, where they give people all of these safety nets and free medical care and they've got it figured out over there. And I think that that was me being very America-focused, not knowing a lot about how other countries worked. And once I moved abroad and I started meeting people, not only from France, but from around the world and learning more and traveling more. And since then, moving back to France, of course, but also just traveling around the world and meeting people, I hear more realistic stories of other countries and other people's ways of life and the benefits and the flaws and 
sort of seeing things in a very more like real perspective. And I think that that allowed me to look at the United States with a more realistic perspective as well, not the best country in the world, but also not doing everything wrong. My work in social work also opened my eyes to a lot of things that we're doing right. We, we're not having as much funding as could be put into safety nets, but we have safety nets. And there's a lot of people working really hard to better our society. And I think that there's a sort of ignorance inherent in thinking that a country is all good or all bad. And I don't mean ignorance as an insult. Um, I just kind of mean that the more you learn, or the more I've learned about my own country and about other countries, the more nuanced I feel the situation is and the more I feel okay liking America. You know, I think that there is this, because there's this this negative stereotype of how patriotic Americans are. When I first moved to France, I was so hesitant to declare myself American or to take pride in anything American. You know, I would cringe from my American friends talking loudly in the streets because I was like, oh my gosh, everyone knows that we're American. And... I don't feel that way anymore. You know, when I first started traveling, whenever anyone would ask if I was Canadian, I would say thank you. I would correct them. I'd be like, no, I'm American, but thank you. Because the idea in my head was that, you know, if somebody guesses that I'm Canadian, it means they hear my North American accent, but they think I'm nice. And I don't want to feel that way. And I don't feel that way anymore. Like I said, as my perspective on the U.S. and Amer like Americans in general has become more nuanced, and I'm able to recognize positives and negatives in not only the United States, but also other countries where I've visited or know people from, I feel more <coughs> comfortable. Luna. Sorry, I'm with a dog. I feel more comfortable and I feel more okay with allowing myself to be positive about the United States. I think when I talked to you for the podcast, I was like, really, like, instead of talking about how I was okay with feeling positive things about the U.S., I think I was really negative about everywhere else. I was like, well, the whole world's shitty, so might as well live in the United States. But I think that's not really how I felt. And I wanted to just kind of get it off of my chest, how I'm really feeling, because otherwise it would just be stuck in my head. Anyway, this was a really long rant. Yeah. Anyway. Oh my God, my nose is running. Bye. Thank you to Zoe for coming on the show and sharing your perspective with us. As I said at the top, this is totally an episode that I want to hear your thoughts on. So find me on Instagram at the expatcast or on Twitter also at the expatcast where you can email me at the expatcast at gmail.com. And if you liked this episode or this mini series or frankly any of the episodes, please take a second to leave a review on iTunes. Throw us some stars, leave a note about what you love about the show. That is the best thing you can do to help me grow this show. I also want to thank Amy Lungi for the art and Sidehug for the theme music. Sidehug is on Instagram at a hug from the side. Next week, we will be back in your feeds to talk about one person's work in the field of German genealogy research and translation. It's super nerdy, super cool, and I'm super excited about it. All right, until then, have a great week. Tschüss.